Hey guys, it's Thursday, August 24th, 2017, and you're listening to the Salvage Title Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Eiseldyke, and this week we're going to add one more little segment to the usual set of things I usually do. Um, But as always, we're going to be talking about car news, car culture, car whatever, uh, as we roll into the very end of the month. Uh, first bit of news is going to be on the uh, fully announced uh, or Volkswagen T-Roc, uh, which is going to be going on sale in Europe later this year, and the fact that it's not coming to the U.S. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Hyundai Santa Cruz, which got the green light earlier this week. Uh, we're going to talk about Audi's new naming scheme for their cars and just naming schemes in general that companies are using right now. And then lastly, we'll wrap it up with a car that's been on my mind. All that and more after the break. Catch you on the flip side. So first up, the Volkswagen T-Roc, which was announced yesterday in Europe, or maybe early today. I don't know, time zones are strange. Anyway, the T-Roc is the new uh, subcompact crossover for the Volkswagen brand that slots in under the Tiguan, which of course slots in under the Touareg, which is now gone, which slots in under the Atlas, which is now blah, 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 blah. So Volkswagen, uh, if you haven't been paying attention, and has been having a lot of problems in the United States dealing with the surge that crossovers have had over the past, let's just say, a decade. Um, the Touareg, of course, was their big SUV that uh, kind of changed the market, made them go kind of up market a little bit. Uh, but really, the Touareg just was really well known for being a robust, pretty well-built SUV at a pretty okay price. And the problem was with the Touareg is that they didn't see that the three-year-old demand was where the market was going. So now we're at where the Atlas comes in, and the Atlas has been really well accepted for being, one, a good-looking SUV, two, the right size, three, has the third row, it's priced correctly, it's got a good powertrain, it's like all the things that it should have been, you know, five or six years ago. Uh, But, you know, now... They've got the Tiguan, which is getting a refresh as well. You know, it looks pretty good. It, it looks like it's got the right kind of powertrains. Again, Volkswagen making the right moves. But then the T-Roc shows up. And the T-Roc, you know, it being a subcompact, so it's based, I think, on the Polo, or it shares more with the Polo than it does uh, the Tiguan. It's based on that same MQB platform that's going to be under every single uh, Volkswagen brand item shortly. Uh Overall, you know, it's a good size. It's a really good shape. I really like the looks of it. The two-tone paint is just mm, perfect. But Volkswagen says that we're not going to get the T-Roc in the U.S., and it seems like a huge mistake. If the market is showing that everybody's going to these crossovers, especially the smaller ones, instead of sedans and hatchbacks, you would think in a market that's so important like the United States that they would choose to bring over something like the T-Roc in the long term. Uh, But in the short term, they're saying absolutely not. Not going to the U.S. No way, Jose. And I'm just, I'm dumbfounded, once again, by the ineptitude of Volkswagen to manage the North American market. Uh, You know, they've ignored the the subcompact class. We never got the Polo, even when they were considering it. Uh, They've ignored SUVs for the large part. um, And it wasn't until recently that they figured out what people want. Um, they've really kind of botched it on the Jetta the past couple of generations, and now it seems like this one is finally, for the most part, where the Jetta should have been a long time ago. But then the new Civic came out, and now the Jetta seems decidedly set back again. 
Uh, you know, the Golf is always great, so you can't really fault them there. The Passat is kind of... Um, you know, and then they've got the CC replacement, which I can't remember what the name of it is off the top of my head. Uh, but all in all, Volkswagen just needs to get their shit together. And, you know, not bringing the T-Rock to the U.S. just seems like such an incredible mistake. Um, you know, with their other competitors like Honda and even Hyundai or Kia or any of these brands really kind of eating their cake when it comes to styling, packaging, and performance, uh, it's it's kind of scary as a Volkswagen fan to, to actually have to say that, you know, uh, Volkswagen, the way things are going, they might not end up being in the North American market anymore in the next decade or so. Uh, they got a lot of work to do. And, you know, developing these great cars for foreign markets is wonderful, but not bringing them to North America is a huge, incredibly huge mistake. So keeping on that same SUV trend, uh, Hyundai announced earlier this week that they are doing some pretty significant investments in their SUV and crossover lineup. And with those investments, that includes a green light for the Santa Cruz concept, which was announced back at the 2015 uh, North American International Auto Show in Detroit. Uh, for those of you that don't remember, the Santa Cruz is a light-duty pickup truck, a unibody pickup truck that's based on the Tucson uh, small SUV. Now, the Tucson, at least to me, is a right-sized version of what a crossover in this weird crossover-centric market uh, is. The Tucson is not too big. It comfortably seats five. It gets pretty good gas mileage. The reliability ratings are pretty good. Um, but the thing that it lacks is extra space behind the rear row of seats. And doing this pickup truck, based on at least the Tucson for the front uh, two rows of seats and then having a pickup truck bed in the back, seems like the right kind of idea. After all, uh, we've seen a lot of growth in the mid-sized pickup truck market spurred by the Chevrolet Colorado and the GMC Canyon. Uh, we saw Honda get into that game with an actually pickup truck-oriented Ridgeline uh, late last year, and that has been really well accepted among people, uh, at least in the press. Um, and it seems like sales have been doing pretty good. But overall, it leaves a lot of people, again, especially millennials, who want something that's practical, something that's capable, but doesn't get terrible gas mileage and actually fits in a parking spot. And something like the Santa Cruz makes a lot of sense. Yes, you're not going to be able to pull 6,000 pounds worth of dog food or, you know, your fair trade coffee or whatever. You're not going to be able to take a huge trailer with you. You're not going to be able to do a ton of that stuff, but that's really not the point. The point is it should be able to tow within reason, you know, a jet ski or a really small boat, or it should be able to carry some furniture in the back, or it should be able to carry a motorcycle. You know, it's this really simple stuff that a lot of people miss out with, with these small pickup trucks. Um, when people just assume that everybody wants an F-150 and the truth is that People do want an F-150, but they don't want the drawbacks that come with it, which, at least right now, is an outrageous size. Not so great fuel economy. And, you know, resale values are pretty good on trucks most of the time. But, you know, something that's smaller, you know, does it a lot more for a lot more people. And so me, myself, you know, I like pickup trucks. They're fine. I'm not a big truck or SUV guy, but something like this makes a lot of sense because I'm not compromising the overall driving dynamics by getting a super large vehicle. I'm not selling myself short on fuel economy because I assume that this wouldn't be too much worse than the standard Tucson. 
Uh, you know, I, overall, it just seems like a smart choice. So if they can sell me a pickup truck, even if it's a front-wheel drive pickup truck, because as they do with the Ridgeline, for, you know, right around $22,000, $23,000, they're hitting a mark with a lot of people who would might say, I don't need the truck to do a lot of stuff. I just need something that's going to be reliable and be able to tow a couple of things and be able to carry some extra stuff. And they're looking used or they're looking new. Hyundai's kind of sitting pretty where they get to cut under all the other competition, get a decently trimmed truck for twenty three grand compared to like, you know, a stripped down Silverado or a really old F one fifty. Hey, it could work out. And you know, as far as other reinvestments go, they say they're gonna redo the uh, Santa Fe Sport. Um, the Santa Fe Sport's going to get some reclassification, which Santa Fe Sport, you know, I also feel like is a kind of right size crossover, where again, it's not too big like the full size Santa Fe, but it's not too small like sometimes the CRV can be in some of those situations. So that's going to get a significant reinvestment, and that's going to be the lone Santa Fe uh, going forward. They're going to redo uh, the current large Santa Fe and give it a new name, which I think is actually a smart idea because I think more people associate the Santa Fe Sport as the Santa Fe than the full-size Santa Fe. Um, we're also going to get a new Tucson before the end of the decade, which I'm kind of excited about. Again, I think the Tucson is kind of the right size vehicle for the market that offers a lot of features. Um, you know, just overall, I think it's great. I mean, I'd, I'm interested to see what you guys think. Um, do you think these small micro pickup trucks are the way to go? Do you think if Hyundai gets the Santa Cruz off the ground that ram or chevrolet or anybody else is going to get in that end of the market feel free to let me know here on anchor fm or hit me up on twitter at yssman thank you okay now it's time for the crazy batshit kind of boring kind of interesting segment about naming conventions and specifically relating to what audi announced uh, today for what they want to do. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention, uh, Audi announced that they're going to add a new number range from 30 to 70 on all of their vehicles, denoting power outputs uh, so that people have an idea of which version of the car you purchased. Uh, 30 is going to appear on all models with power output between 109 and 128 horsepower. 45 is going to be uh, for cars between 226 and 248 horsepower. 50 for cars between 281 and 308 horsepower. And then 55 will signify cars between 328 to 368 and the top trim 70 will signify cars that are going to be greater than 536 horsepower but the s and rs models won't get that designation which again doesn't make any sense so it comes down to why brands seem to think that these kind of model designations are a good idea um, after all we're in an era where uh, numbers have kind of been thrown completely out of the window. Uh, what used to be a simple or, uh, signifier of what it was uh, has completely gone away. So, for instance, uh, back in the day, if you bought a BMW 328i, that would normally signif or signify that you got a 3 Series with a 2.8 liter straight 6. Just the same, if you bought a Mercedes-Benz C63, that Mercedes-Benz C63 had a 6.2 liter V8. Nowadays, the C63 is, what, a 4-liter twin-turbo V8 or something like that? And um, then you've got the 45s, which are a 2-liter turbo whatever on the Mercedes. The BMWs now have the 350, which isn't a V8. It's a twin-turbo straight 6. And it's all just a bunch of hullabaloo. So this Audi system... Why? 
Why does it matter? I don't get why it matters. Like, I don't think that anybody's going to go, ooh, well, I have the 204 horsepower version versus your 308 and blah, 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 blah. It's ridiculous. Now, it should be noted that it sounds like Audi may only be doing this numbering scheme in Europe, or maybe not even in Europe. It might only end up being in Asia, where naming schemes are already crazy and out the window anyway. Uh, and it's just, just why take the time? Why take the time to develop this scale and to look at this kind of stuff? Because customers, for the most part, don't know the difference. Now, granted, I would love to see a return to sanity where everybody just does the right kind of numbers, or if it's just an A4, it says, you know, none of this uh, 3.0T, which used to mean turbo, but now means supercharged. Ah, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's entirely too much. And, you know, this also goes beyond the pale with... Uh, just naming conventions in general. You know, Cadillac ate a lot of shit a couple of uh, months ago, a year ago. I don't even know how long ago it was, but when they announced that all of the Cadillacs are going to be going to CT abbreviations for the sedans and XT abbreviations for the crossovers. And so that number will go between one to seven and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, why? What, how hard is it to come up with a name these days? You know, I think the Germans kind of get a pass because the BMWs have always been A328 or A330 or whatever, or the Mercedes-Benz has always been the S-Class, the C-Class, the whatever. But here in America, names are great. I love names. A Mustang is a Mustang. A Camaro is a Camaro. You know, uh, the Ram, it's a Ram, you know, and it's a 1500. Okay, yeah, sure, we've had some naming conventions in the past. But for the most part... Names work. Names are an identity. They work pretty well. And this whole number scheming thing is just insane. And I, I just pray. I hope to God that, well, or whatever. I, it's just, I hope that somebody at GM or Ford or Toyota or whoever doesn't go, oh, that's a good idea. Let's denote which engine choice you made on the deck lid of the car. Because uh, it's just a waste of time. It's a waste of plastic or metal or whatever these little number plates are made out of. Uh, going forward. So what do you guys think? Uh, you know, I, I think this is just a bunch of hullabaloo. Feel free to let me know. Thank you. So lastly, a car that's been on my mind, and that is the Toyota Peso. Um, in case you don't remember, the Toyota Peso was offered in the U.S. from 1991 to 1997, and it was uh, Toyota's attempt to make a sporty version of their subcompact Tracel here in the U.S. Now, the Tracel, of course, slotted in under the Corolla uh, in the mid-90s, and the Tracel was, you know, pretty well regarded as being a relatively reliable, easy-to-drive, fuel-economy-driven choice in their lineup, and the Peso added a little bit more flair to it by making it a coupe, um, offering some pretty sporty lines that kind of echoed what we saw from the Celica um, in that time frame. Um, it had a pretty rudimentary, give or take, about 100 horsepower inline four, which could be matched with a five-speed manual or four-speed automatic. Uh, suspension setups were suspension setups, nothing too crazy. Um, but, you know, I had a friend in high school who had one, and I distinctly remember the Peso being a lot of fun to just kind of bomb around in, kind of beat half to death. The car would just take it. Like, that's the thing. That's the thing with all the Toyotas from that time frame, is they would just take the abuse. And, you know, these cars were great. Like, they were built really well. And they got, and the sad part is, because they were economy cars in the mid-90s, they were either used and abused, or they were tossed. And it was just, they're hard to find in good shape. So, you know, if you know somebody 
who has a peso that's in pretty good shape, tell them to hold on to it because these are going to be cars that I think maybe not necessarily are going to be worth a lot of money, but I think in terms of nostalgia, I think they're going to be worth something in the near future. Uh, the, uh, the peso is one of those cars that's just like, it's once in a while where I forget that, uh, that these cars existed and that they just pop into my mind and I just, I want to look everywhere to find a peso. And, you know, now that we're coming up on the, uh, 25 year import ban, there's a version of the peso that was sold in Japan that had like these bubble top, uh, going doors that are just absolutely phenomenal. You know, parts wise, in theory, you can just swap them bit to bit if the thing happened and you just happen to have a right-hand drive bubble top crazy Japanese car. Uh, but, uh, God, I wish I could remember what the name of that thing is off the top of my head. I see pictures of it all the time. But, man, Toyota Peso. It's a cool name, too. Peso. I don't know. It's it's one of those things. I just, I just, I just remember my friend having a burgundy one with a tan interior and him just beating the hell out of that car. Ugh. So much fun. Anyway, car that's been on my mind, Toyota Peso. Feel free to look them up around you. I'd be interested to hear if you guys can find any that are in good shape. Feel free to let me know here on Anchor FM or drop me a line on Twitter. You know where to find me. All right, guys, that just about wraps up this week's episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. Uh, If you guys have any questions, comments, or anything like that, feel free to send me those on Twitter, at Y-S-S-M-A-N. You know, we've got a couple of stories that I think I might be trying to work on for next week, but I'm always interested to hear what you guys think. Uh, Last week, where I tried to do an episode each day, uh, we did get a little bit of traction on some of those episodes, especially going long form on uh, three different ideas about a particular topic and I kind of like doing that uh, but doing it this way too with a couple different stories and that car on the end that's always fun too Um, also if you guys uh, are listening um, since there is a little bit of traction out there if you guys could do me a favor and follow me on uh, Apple Music or whatever podcast uh, system you prefer give me a rating share with your friends share with your family Uh, I'd really appreciate it Uh, anyway guys I hope you have a good rest of the week going into the weekend. I hope you drive safely to wherever you got to go. And we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.